0: Lost Talk Radio. For being here with me today, our special guest here in Southern California is Louis Vargas. He is a CEO, a sought-after public speaker, and also the author of an incredible book that I'm going to have him t- talk to us about today. Louis, are you with us here?
1: Yes, I am, Gail. Thank thanks, you very much for having so me on much.
0: the show. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Looking forward to um, all the information that you have to share with our listeners. You know, you wrote a book called. The passion-driven life, the secrets of success, balance, and fulfillment in the key areas of life. Talk to us about who you are and about this book.
1: In a nutshell, basically, Gail, what I am is uh, a product of of determination, of the American dream coming true. I grew up poor in East Los Angeles, and later on, my family moved to Pasadena, and. Ever since I was very young, obviously, I was surrounded with a lot of influences uh, that were positive, but at the same time, living in an area that wasn't the most uh, the most appropriate for dream seekers, but nonetheless, was able to forge ahead in, in school and able to obtain scholarships and then went to USC and from USC graduated and entered the world of finance on Wall Street. And uh had good success there, but it was very stressful. And that's why it was really the core of, of doing things is not only being passionate about it, but also having a balance in life. And in that world of finance and Wall Street, is very, very difficult. It's rewarding financially, but oftentimes it's draining emotionally. So you know, I left that.
0: I, you know, we titled this show, From Poverty to Profit. And you know, there's a, a a balance that has to be achieved in no matter where we are on that financial spectrum. Um, how did you learn those lessons as a young child or as a, you know, in your formative years?
1: Well, one of the things you have to understand is that I uh, my family are uh, we're a family of immigrants, and as a whole, immigrants traditionally have a mindset of of of. Coming to America or being in the United States and looking for ways to move ahead, so that in and of itself, surrounded by other you know families or as well immigrants, knowing and realizing that we're blessed just to be here in this country, and not expecting necessarily for uh, the government or institutions to hand us things, but we earn them, we work for them, and along the way, we're obviously able to achieve uh, some results and have institutions help us along our you know, with our vision. Mm. So that's really the the defining point was being an immigrant. I I wasn't born in this country. I came here when I was 3 years old. Uh and yet uh knew that there was a reason why uh my father decided to move to America to seek the dream, you know, for himself and his family mainly. Would
0: you say that he would he say that he achieved it?
1: I would say so with I mean he ended up being a small business owner, uh creating uh he did several things. He was one of these jack of all trades and always hard working, having two jobs, uh, sometimes three different lines of, of, of income, you know, streams. But he ended up being a small business owner in Los Angeles with a small print shop. It provided for us, uh he was able to buy a home and we never were Uh, You know, a lack for food or anything of that nature. So I believe in in the core of it. I believe he was uh, satisfied with what he did. He also became a realtor, a real estate agent. So he was happy doing that as well.
0: How about um, when you entered USC? How did your world change and your world your view on life um, get influenced in college?
1: Well, when I when I was in high school, one of the things that uh, that I had the the privilege and the blessing of, of being uh, among there were six of us. I was number five, so there was four, you know, older brothers and sisters. My oldest sister uh, was a huge achiever, and she also went to public high schools and then went to uh, junior college and then transferred to UCLA. And then once at UCLA, she graduated there. And went to graduate school at USC. So she redeemed herself. You know, she went to UCLA, but got a straight line and went to USC. <laughs> and for but people, I, this is
0: a this is a global broadcast. So for people that aren't familiar with the rivalry, you know, every every nation, every city here in the U.S. has their college. You know, the university rivals, and USC and UCLA are the two here in Southern California.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I had that, you know, looking from the inside at her achievements. And uh, interestingly enough, my father was a painter at USC. He worked in the, you know, the maintenance department. So he went around these little carts painting buildings that needed fixing and things like that. So uh, when I went to USC, it was an amazing, uh, personally for me, it was an amazing realization that, I have achieved a huge dream to go to not only a pretty prestigious university, but it's a very you know, expensive university, uh, and to understand that uh, even though I had not, quote unquote, yet made it, I was on my way. So the worldview within USC changed my perspective of, of being, uh, you know, heading towards a goal, towards a dream, and I was in the right cart, you know, I was going, I was in the right train going in the right direction.
0: What about your you, – did I understand you to say that your father was a painter at UCLA the same time that his daughter was a student there?
1: Uh, he was a painter at USC. At USC. Okay. Yes, at USC. A while mm-hmm. before my sister went to UCLA. So this is when, you know, he first immigrated here. My father used to be a banker in South America. Mm-hmm. So it was – From a, quote, professional standpoint, I mean, it was a huge uh, change and shift when you go from being a banker with, at that time, he had a car and a driver provided to him by the bank and came to America, and it's like, well, who are you? You're know nobody here, so he worked at a meat factory and also worked at uh, USC as a painter. So growing up, I saw that, that he was willing to put his professional career aside to seek a better life for uh, the family as a whole and it was you know didn't want to waste that opportunity
0: where is your father today
1: oh he passed away a few years back you know he was uh, about 3 years ago or so but mm-hmm. he was exceedingly proud of all of us uh, mm-hmm. because of, of the fact that he realized that his efforts were uh, were not in vain
0: you know one of the um the key words that you use to describe your work and you in preparation for this show was number one solution for bad economies. You know, and we've been faced with a, a tremendous um, economic downturn on these, in these most recent years. And a lot of people here within the United States have had to start over again. Perhaps, you know, in some cases, I'm certain there would be people, you know, to the same extreme as your father, and others, you know, just the idea of having worked so hard to achieve um, the goal, and then to have to start again. Have you had any of those types of experiences in your life directly?
1: Oh, I'm glad you asked that question, (laughs) because it is very appropriate, and the answer is ultimately yes. I had uh we're talking multi-million dollar losses not in the recent uh recover uh you know downturn but uh after I left Wall Street there were a series of of issues with respect to trading that took place you know trading of securities and investments that went south majorly and uh I I was back to square one you know so I started. I've started my life over three times, you know, with respect to first going out of college with nothing and making it, and then after leaving Wall Street, I had a series of successes, but at the same time, I was dealing with some major multi-million dollar losses. So I had to start from scratch twice.
0: So in this environment, um, that a lot of business owners, you know, find themselves rebounding from. Um, and working through in order to feel like there's a sense of rebound, uh, what, from your personal experiences, would you say to them?
1: I would say, obviously, never give up the dream, number one, uh, because oftentimes we, as humans, have a tendency to second-guess our decisions, second-guess our situation, and and get onto the pity wagon of, oh, things are terrible, the sky is falling, the sky is falling and stay on that track and that mindset. And I would be uh, encouraging individuals, business owners, or individuals who perhaps, uh, and I know, we all know somebody who's probably been laid off from a career, what they thought was a career position or a career job. And the, the most important thing is, one, faith. Yeah. You have to have faith that God will uh, lead you through this whole process, number one. And number two, you have to have faith in your abilities, faith in your dreams, and and put them to work. And so, there are a lot of different things that one can do, but the, you cannot get anywhere, you know, moving forward if you still are stuck behind looking in the re- rearview mirror of how things used to be. You know, we can't live even, our life that way.
0: Even on a day-to-day basis, when a person may not even be at a place where it's in the rearview mirror yet, but to our listeners because um, we know for a fact that there are listeners, business owners too, especially that um, it's not in the rearview yet. They're still in the thick of it. And on a day-to-day basis, um, one of the purposes of this broadcast is not only to bring a word of encouragement, but to let them know that they're not alone and that whatever tools and resources and inspiration that's needed just to keep moving forward is made available through conversations like this with people who know and understand. So in order for it to become a rearview mirror perspective, you've got to move through it. And I think that, you know, even the discussions that are happening on Wall Street and in Congress right now with the fiscal cliffs, Cliff, excuse me, are, you know, are relevant to all of this this sense of uncertainty um, associated with our economy and jobs and business and investments and how to create um, and how to leave, you know, successfully. Financial legacies and other legacies are all um, reminders to us that Um, this mindset and this place of faith is an ongoing part of our existence and in the realm of business especially.
1: Oh, without a question, without a doubt. And I think it's very important for people to understand, the listeners to understand that they're not alone in the whole process of of trying to right the ship in their business or get their career uh, reignited again. And the most important component beyond the faith and the mindset is really to just take the action necessary to move forward and to seek uh, mentorship, to seek advice if it be one-on-one with someone, at least through shows of this sort, of this magnitude, uh, through books, through some sort of method of, of being infusing the passion and the purpose to keep on moving forward. And at the end of the day, if someone has a business that isn't obviously doing as well as it used to be, They need to re-engineer and figure out exactly what are the things that need to be done to dominate in their local area and start from there. Uh, uh, We've got clients that we've had to re-engineer their approach to how they position themselves, and that has made the major difference.
0: Talk to us about your work today, who your clients are, and the services that you provide.
1: We have, uh, within our company, we've got two divisions. One is uh, Local Leads HQ, which is a nuts-and-bolts marketing, technology, marketing, systems-type company where we take both small local businesses as well as national companies and national brands and position them to dominate in their local market via different strategies of uh, both online marketing as well as offline marketing. We utilize a traditional ad agency approach, which I used to own an ad agency, and merged it with a lot of the Internet marketing and mobile marketing technology. So where, for example, we've had uh, a lot of clients in the healthcare industry, where, for example, we had one fairly large dental firm, they were doing really great before the economy uh, changed, offering teeth cleaning. Well, you know, it was a simple offer that they were the best priced and all that. Well, a lot of individuals realized, wait a second, having nice, you know, white teeth may not be the most important thing, you know, out there. So we we looked at how they were positioning their their offering, how they were positioning their uh, particular service, and started to craft messages that educate the public and created a call to action. Specifically, with this dental firm, we took a... Uh, CDC report, the Centers for Disease Control report that warned of health problems related to bad teeth. The U.S. government issued that report. One of our uh, dentists, uh, we sat down with him and crafted a special report that was ta- uh, gave his advice as to what that report meant for people. We crafted that into a special report that we give away, and all of a sudden, all they, their entire uh, business model for that division changed entirely where they were not offering teeth cleaning, they are offering consulting and education about the health problems related for bad teeth. That's what I mean that businesses have to do, Gail, to reposition themselves locally. It could be a dry cleaners, it could be somebody who's in the mortgage business locally, it could be somebody who's in the restaurant business. You have to look at information that you could educate the public and be the trusted advisor.
0: It also sounds like when circumstances require it, be prepared to basically redesign and redefine your place in the market.
1: Without a doubt. I mean, all we have to do is look at uh, major companies as for, for how, how to position and, and be able to change. I mean, Apple. Exactly. Apple Apple started out in the, you know, when they started out, they didn't want to be probably, I'm sure, think about themselves as being in the music industry in the music business, but they are through iTunes. Uh, they didn't, you know, think about positioning themselves to be selling or being in the cellular business. If you've asked them 10, 15 years ago, oh, you guys are going to be in the cell phone business. Like, what, are you kidding me? That's, But we have the iPhone. If they would have been just stuck on, oh, no, we're into only computers, then they might have been bye-bye or certainly struggling like a lot of the other companies that uh, stayed on that model. Google was the same thing. Google didn't think about when they were first created in 1996 or 97 as a search engine, think about being in the cell phone business, but there's the Android phones that they obviously created and, and you know got that technology going, and other businesses. So we have to be adaptive, Small businesses have to be adaptive and they even have more competitive edge to be able to be adaptive. They may not have the money, but they have the ability to say, wait a second, I can offer additional services. I can create strategic alliances with either competitors of mine or non-competitors to see how I can best reach out to the local community and and be the leader in what we do.
0: So uh, much of what you do is serve as the expert on strategic revenue, business growth, leadership, um marketing development and Absolutely. just t- taking, you know, businesses to a peak performance level.
1: Yes, and that's what you the model or what you've just described is our other division which is Strategic Edge Profits where we can You know, a lot of times companies or businesses will say, well, we'll we'll utilize through Local Leads HQ your technology, your marketing and and, uh, business development systems, but we don't necessarily, quote, want or need an in-house marketing uh, company. We have people that do it for ourselves. We just want to be able to continue to dominate and look for opportunities for new products or services, and that is perfectly fine. The additional... And one of the things that is my biggest passion is, is business development and strategic alliances and strategic marketing and strategic edge profits does all of that accomplishes that for small to Fortune 500 strategically look at where are areas to be able to double triple quadruple revenues.
0: Oh, we have a, a email that just came in from a listener saying that they saw you recently at a small business. Um, event in Los Angeles. I guess a small business expo.
1: Yes, yes. And
0: that's if, if you would um, share some of the highlights from that from your presentation there.
1: Well, at the small it was the small business expo in Los Angeles, which is one of the largest uh, expos uh, for the small business community. I think there was approximately four to five thousand attendees there this time around, and I spoke on ten uh, ways to build sales uh, fast. And it was a rather uh, fast presentation, dynamic presentation. I talked about, and the first I already covered, using uh, messages or, you know, to educate reports to educate your uh, local uh, marketplace, your local niche core market. Second, I've already briefly talked about, which is add core products and services. Don't just think about, oh, I own a gym uh, and stay stuck on that. You have to look at ways to increase service base, things that you can offer for that uh, client base that you have. Number three is to create within the existing customers that you have a VIP club or something that separates them, makes them special, makes them privileged, makes them important, that you realize that they are your core bread and butter, therefore treat them as that, and therefore you create a a sense of of specialty for them and you offer special offers, special events, pre-sales, things of that nature. Number four would be to build and dominate an online optimization uh, program. And you can do that through videos, uh, books, ebooks, books through uh, a creation of social media marketing that truly works and know how to do it right. Uh, a blog, a company can set up a blog or a business can set up a blog, and they need to because it creates maximum critical mass on the Internet. And, of course, uh, creating an app, which is uh, an iPhone app or an Android app, you could utilize PPC, which is pay-per-click, which is the Google model, where you pay positioning to be able to get generate business. Also SEO, which is a traditional uh, search engine optimization. Wait, um,
0: repeat that reference about the app
1: again. Oh, the app is, is a creation of, a, of an iPhone or an Android app, where we've all seen them when we go to the supermarket or right, tank, right.
0: you download to
1: app. No, those are fairly our we strategic edge and local leads creates apps as a as not so much as a profit model anymore, but as an added on service to our client base. And we do so so many of them that our our volume is huge that we've been able to decrease the cost. It used to be five six thousand dollars for an app development here in the United States. This is all done in the U.S. Uh, we've brought it down to somewhere like 2000 to $2,500, depending on what are the necessary components. The other important aspect for local businesses that they overlook is to get listed on local business directories online. And there's 65 to 75-plus sites that are important to be listed on correctly, where if you've ever seen, perhaps, on Manta or Hoover's, you see your business and it will and say sometimes, is this your business? You can claim it. And these are sites that are created already by these companies like Google and Yahoo and Yelp that already have the business information, but the business owner or the company has not claimed it. Therefore, it's sitting out there unclaimed and not optimized. Uh the sixth most important thing to do is to be able, of course, get reviews for your business or for your product. Things sites like Yelp or Manta uh, in the restaurant business. It could be on a Zagat review site. All these are components of things that you have to do and need to do to be able to dominate locally. Also, you have to do number seven, which we call the uh, critical mass presence on websites that means you not only have your own website your main website and leave it at that but you also create a separate or separate different lead capture sites you know separate websites that you own that in addition to your main site may give someone information or an access to be able to obtain a special report or a free ebook that you might have you also create a blog site, a social media, which I've mentioned before, a mobile website, a VIP club site, which is for your existing customers to be able to obtain offers and discounts, coupons, and things of that magnitude. You create a YouTube video site and a Vimeo, which is, V-I-M-E-O, which is also a video website. These are just as small sampling of what we're talking about as far as multiple presence on the internet so therefore if somebody Google's my name Louis F Vargas I appear like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and on multiple websites our company owns somewhere over 300 media website presence so it we do that because we are we look at how we can dominate within a particular region for different keywords or for an industry. If we were to work with, for example, a medical provider in San Francisco, we would look at what they currently have and then blow it up and duplicate it probably five times more. That's what domination really accomplishes on an internet, you know, level basis. What happens, Gail, in terms of marketing? And this is like 8 out of 10 times. This is what happens eight out of ten times from business owners or board of directors what they do. Ah, well we already do marketing. We hired Joe, Jane from XYZ to put some ads for us. And in their mind, they think they're doing marketing or that they've got advertising taken care of. And that if you don't have revenue if you don't have new clients coming into a business, you're not gonna have a business. And if you have your existing client base that you're not continuously in touch with and mining what we call mining m-i-n-i-n-g like when you mine for gold if you're not mining your existing client base to give them offerings of new products or services or ask them you know pick their brain of what else could you would you like for us to offer what else would you like to see you're losing business and so re refocus the mindset of business owners and companies, as far as marketing is concerned, look at all the avenues and the ways that you can optimize sometimes fairly inexpensively your marketing um, component and that's the huge huge, huge thing that turns businesses around. obviously the other aspect is is management. How do you have you know your business management model if somebody's spending like crazy, you could make you know generate ten million dollars in revenue and not have a an actual profit, which we I've seen before. We had one client we worked with; they were generating 10.2 million, and they were running red. They weren't making any money, and that had to do with a lot of factors that they were having, um, you know, different things that were layered. There were different departments that could be consolidated and work more efficiently, and that's what we ended up doing for them. And went from being in the red, being in the positive, and the company was sold for a good-sized chunk of money.
0: What we haven't um gee, I'm sorry that we're running close to being out of time here, Louis. So we can take one more question that's come in by email and that is at what point does a client engage your services?
1: Our our services are if somebody has a budget, a minimum budget of two thousand dollars a month, that's where the, the break level is because it doesn't uh, benefit the business or the business owner if they say, "Well, I don't have, you know, uh, I only have five hundred bucks or six hundred dollars a month in business." What we do, we may not be the least expensive, but we tell you what we—the uh, clients that we select to work with uh, end up clients that dominate in whatever areas, both on an national basis as well as international, because we have international cli- uh, clientele as well. But if somebody has any questions, they certainly can uh, email me. Or email the company at info i n f o at local l o c a l leads l e a d s h q dot com so that's info at locallead hq dot com and honestly if we really feel like look this isn't within our purview, we will make sure don't say no we'll shepherd them and, and give them resources that will help them along the way and perhaps a recommendation for someone locally that could help them
0: Thank you so much for being here with us today, Louis. You've been listening to Louis Vargas, the CEO and founder of, um, Louis, you've done quite a bit, but Strategic Marketing and Communications Corporation, and also Local Leads HQ, the Strategic Edge Profits. That's the, that's the correct title for you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got quite a bit here you know, that I'm I'm referencing. You're a speaker, you're the author, and, again, available to support um, businesses at all levels that want to expand their dominance and their presence in the industry and to grow their business. Um, Willis, thank you you so much again for being here. We look forward to having you back again.
1: Thank you, and thanks for having me. I just wish the listeners the best. Uh, Christmas season, Hanukkah season coming up, and uh, look forward to a great 2013 for each and every one of us. And, and one
0: more time, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you.
1: Uh, through either think, call directly. Our toll-free number is one 682 6609 That's triple eight six eight two six six zero nine. 682 6609 Or they can drop us an email at info at localleads hq.com dot
0: dot .com. Thank you, Liz. Have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. A pleasure.